Welcome to Little Minds, Big Thinkers. I'm your host, Tammy McMorrow. This is a podcast where we celebrate the magic and messiness of the elementary thinking classroom based on the work of your favorite of mine, Peter Liliadal. In each episode, we'll hear and learn from those who are in the elementary trenches doing this important work. My hope is that this podcast offers you a front row seat to how Building Thinking Classrooms by Peter Liliadal is liberating our youngest mathematicians to think all over the world. In today's episode, Diane Christensen, Nicole Medina, and I talk about what worked in Thinking Classrooms in 2023. There's a lot of power in naming the things that are going well and celebrating them too. So let's find out what worked in 2023. Hi, and welcome, Diane and Nicole. Hello. Oh. I'm so glad I could wrangle you back into talking with me on my podcast again. Uh, Before we get started, how about both of you remind us of your location and your position? So how about you, Nicole? I am Nicole Medina. I teach first grade in Louisville, Kentucky. Yay! (laughs) They're so cute. They're my favorite. They say funnest things. And Diane? I am in the Phoenix area in Mesa Public Schools, and I am currently a district math specialist. And both of you are also the uh, admin with me in our K2 group. So it's uh, just great to bring bring us all together again. And today we are going to have a special special episode based on the work of one of my favorite podcasters. Her name is Emily P. Freeman. Are either of you familiar with her, by the way? I'm not, but now I'm going to look her up. (laughs) She has a podcast called The Next Right Thing. And it's, it's not educational, but you know how we educators are. We're seeing educational connections (laughs) in everything we do. And she's so wonderful at reflecting. And one of her recent reflection questions at the beginning of the year was what worked? And it just resonated with me. And I found myself thinking, well, what would that sound like in the thinking classroom? What worked in the thinking classroom in 2023? And wouldn't that be a great episode for my podcast, which is why we're all here together today. So we're going to talk about what worked in the Thinking Classroom in 2023, and it's a great way to celebrate. Uh, What we celebrate, we replicate. So we can name it, we can claim it, you know, all the rhyming things going on there. So we're just going to go around the hypothetical circle here and share several things that worked for us in our Thinking Classroom spaces. So why don't we start with you, Diane? What's one thing that worked? Well, I think one thing that I'm really excited about as uh, someone supporting teachers is seeing that doing the thinking classroom in short stints to begin has been really successful. So we have a our, our math core resource, we kind of adapted the launch task so that teachers could give that without the workbook or the textbook or whatever they had in there in front of them. But um, that that launch task was easy to adapt to 
think boards. And that's been a really easy way for teachers to step in and feel like they could do this and do it on a regular basis. Yeah, for sure. So you're giving them access to this uh, thinking classroom without it taking too much mental energy to make it happen. Yes, and without having to think about transforming the entire math period or the entire week of math, but just a little step in has been really successful. Feels much more doable. Mm -hmm. What about you? Um, Well, I think... I have a a varied list. One thing is just like a a small technical thing that really helped me this year. So I use a deck of cards to, like you, Tammy, to like sort out who goes to what board. And in my deck of cards, I I normally have 24 or 25 students. So I always keep two aces, two twos, two threes. Uh, a black and a red, so they can, the red go get their marker and eraser and the black goes straight to the board. But in my jacks, I keep three. So there's three jacks. And then if I have an odd number of kids that day, I can just, I keep them in order of the cards. I just pull out the ones I don't need really quick before I shuffle and I don't have to make sure, I don't know, it just makes it really simple for me to like count them up and it doesn't take me too long to make sure that there's not people without a friend somewhere. <laughs> Systems are important. It is. They matter a ton. <laughs> really I do, help. I do something similar. I think you already know. I just have a a joker in hand just in case I have an odd person. And whoever, yeah. gets, whoever gets the joker just comes and stands quietly beside me and they wait for me to help them figure out where they're going. So That works. that. Yeah. Have you seen uh, that Megan Giroux has been putting a, I don't know that like a card that designates someone as a, kind of an assistant and they're, I mean, I haven't done that, but I don't know whether you're in that space either as first grade and first, second teachers, but yeah. I love that idea of yeah. giving someone a kind of a teacher role in the classroom. Well, one of the things that has worked for me is what I borrowed from Laura Weiss. She's been doing it for a couple of years and I've noticed it, but then I brought it up at, during the episode where she talked to me and I asked her to talk about how she grabs kids' dialogue and their statements and questions and she writes them on the boards when she hears them saying something she wants to remember and wants other kids to remember. And I just love that. And so many other teachers in our group have been latching onto that as well. I just love the the elevating the student voice. And I think it goes back to that, what we celebrate, we replicate because then other kids hear and pay attention to what their classmates are saying and they start saying them. It's just been a beautiful practice. I've really enjoyed doing it. Well, and we're teaching kids, you know, speaking, listening standards. And that is like naming what they're doing. It's really helpful for them to be able to replicate it themselves. Like, oh, I could say that. Yeah, it's really powerful. And I don't know if you're like me, but just in the busyness of the class and, you know, just trying to really keep myself watching kids and really paying attention to the thinking that's going on, I forget, right? I forget that so-and-so said something really brilliant 
So for me to write a little speech balloon just helps me hang on to it in ways that I can't otherwise. Yeah, it's pretty brilliant. Back to you, Diane. Well, I think one of the things that I am really loving is uh, in working with teachers to plan lessons, you know, we'll, we'll co-plan an experience. And we've started doing that on the boards. So we'll step up to a whiteboard and think, you know, what's our, what's our provocation? How are we going to launch this? Um, what are the ways we think kids might go about solving it and really thinking about the kids who might be farthest from opportunity to learn and what tools we might want to have available or what scaffolds or what questions. Um, so, but doing that work on the board itself and then creating a shopping list of two or three things that I want to, we want to make sure we bring out in consolidation has been mm. so helpful. Um but that doing that work, we've done that work for a long time, but doing it on the boards is just next level, right? Mm -hmm. Just like the work with kids when they're doing it together is next level. I never thought about doing that on the boards, but I love that idea of like being in their shoes and yeah, what they have to work with technically. Well, and I know you too. Well, Tammy, not as much, but Nicole, you're working on your own, right? Mm -hmm. You're kind of, uh, you're kind of a lone wolf right now in this land. So maybe it wouldn't seem as powerful for you. But right now, because I'm not in the classroom, I'm working with teachers, it's always a collaborative experience to plan for me. And, mm -hmm. uh, and any kind of collaboration I'm finding, I love to have on the boards. Do you do it with one marker, too? We do. <laughs> We do. We have a few on hand, though, you know, <laughs> so, because we do use different colors for uh, <laughs> for marking our shopping list or putting questions on the board. So we trade them out, but we do try to keep it at one marker at a time. I love that. Nicole? Okay. Well, ironically, on my list, I uh, am thinking of to, it doesn't matter where you are, a lone wolf, or if you're with a bunch of people, like try to find a find a buddy to chat with. And I'm saying that in quotes, um, who inspires you? Like, and I'm going to say, even if they live in Idaho <laughs> or Phoenix, Arizona, Diane, like um, the Facebook group is such a good place to like, like get inspiration. I think everybody loves that about it, but also just like get feedback or flesh out ideas like nobody knows the actual final answers like we're all learning this together and if you can just find one person they don't have to live near you even it's just really helpful like you're saying like it'd be nice to do it on the board but even in a little chat room it's nice to just think through how you might do things btc style yeah i love that yeah, I don't think there's any excuse for someone to say, well, I don't have anyone to support me, so I'm not doing this work. <laughs> because even like you said, even if they're not across the hallway and they're across the state or across the country, they're there. We can find them. There are 10, <laughs> over 10,000 of us who are willing to be that person for people. Yes. And that's really because you, Tammy, took the 
the initiative to start that group. And Nicole, you've been so um, helpful in ensuring that it stays active, connected, and creating new content that helps people continue to do this work. I need you all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my next one is something that we started doing when uh, we're done with the task and we prepare to consolidate. So we, we, we uh, touch our heads several times. There's a pattern to it. We say, make sense of the math. And we touch our heads four times, make sense of the math um, every single time. So I feel like we go into it with a purpose and I feel like it invites them to engage more and puts the responsibility on them. They know what the purpose of it is. And it, it, it's just been a smart move. That really channels everyone mm-hmm. to the purpose, right? Of yeah. getting together at the end of the lesson. And I think that's the part of the lesson that most often gets short shrift, right? <laughs> and it also just kind of, um, if they were thinking this was about the answer, that, I mean, we get there. But it's more about making sense instead of here's the answer. Now let's see if we're right. So it's a different focus, different mindset. That's absolutely true. Okay. Diane? I think the next one I'm going to share is being anchored in the book. So there's, we have, there are a lot of teachers I'm supporting that are stepping into this space, right? And uh, it's very easy to get started and to feel like you're doing this and, you know, to do, say, the first toolkit, right? And do the randomization, the working on vertical boards, the thinking tasks, um, that those are things that you can do fairly readily. Not that it's easy, but you can step into that space. But I think to understand the depth and to continue with other practices, because some think that that's just, that's what it is. That is BTC. So part of what's working, I think, is being anchored and being just heading back to the book to remember the things that were said that I read that maybe my brain wasn't ready to latch on to yet. Yeah. That's been really helpful for me. There have been a couple of times when I've heard Peter say, well, that's in the book. And I'll think, is that, that's what, that's that? That's a rereadable book. Like there are parts that are pretty helpful. I should probably now that I have new learning, like I'm in a different place on my journey, like going back in really helps me. I'm like, oh, that makes more sense now because I have something to like anchor it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. And to think about what the next steps will be, right? Like what what will work in terms of what to tackle next. And speaking of being anchored in the book, there'll be a new book to be anchored in this spring. Hey! I cannot <laughs> wait. I yeah, absolutely sure. cannot wait. Yeah. Nicole? Okay, so I'm thinking of recycling tasks like with new context. So the reason why I say that is like some people are like, I need a whole new task every single day, which you kind of do need, 
you don't want the same task. But um, I recently heard um, Alicia Burdess talking about um, building those big, beautiful math problems. And she talked, to, it was during your podcast, Sammy, she talked about the Sammy the Slug or whatever his name was that went down. But she got that idea from a separate task she had seen somewhere else. She just re positioned it into her story I thought that was such a brilliant idea because like I don't have to like invent a whole new thing for every single test like I can use it in a different way or use a different amount yeah that's a lot of that would be a lot of pressure right to come up with this big beautiful problem every single time we do a task doesn't have to be that way. And I do love how she just changes the context, takes this this task from this area and just makes it work for another. Yep, it's smart. She's smart. Okay, another one of mine. I don't know that I started this in 2023, but it might have been just right before that. When I started doing thinking tasks from my hallway in in my school, mm-hmm. and I I've seen a lot of interaction with kids with it, so check got that. But I also just like the fact that it's it's a constant reminder for teachers about making sure that we are all giving our kids opportunities to problem solve and reason and think. And that sometimes those problems don't naturally come out of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a little bit of work sometimes to find those, uh, which I know, Diane, that you're an expert at that. But um, I just like that just constant reminder, not only for students, but for teachers, that this is what math can look like. And just giving everyone an opportunity to engage in it. Yeah, that's one of my the informal, you know, here we're passing by, let's have a little conversation about this, that really math can feel like that. Yeah. And especially especially on cold, cold days when we have inside recess Mm -hmm. and kids are being are being like shuffled to the library or shuffled to the music room and (laughs) Uh, my my board is right by there and I'll see this group of you know five to seven kids just standing outside or standing right in front of this board kind of thinking things through and my little heart just ah, feels so I know feels so uh, and satisfying and it just builds that culture like from your room it like spreads the love to other places too Mm -hmm. like it benefits so many people like that another teacher might be inspired too you know like maybe they don't know exactly what you do in your room because they you know we can't be in everybody's room but like ah that's pretty cool yeah that's my hope okay Diane oh you know Tammy you're such an expert at thin slicing that you know I I feel bad taking you know talking about this before you do but I am just such a fan of thin slicing and all the practice that kids get but practice that levels them up Mm -hmm. and I think what I've been excited about is 
thin slicing with a context that really means a lot or that means something to the kids. So for example, I was in a fifth grade class and we needed to learn about multiplying decimals. And this content is a little difficult to contextualize, right? So what can we do with it? And I realized that I'd been shopping for a family blanket, you know, those huge blankets. Have you seen them? They're like gigantic. Maybe, I mean, the one I ended up buying is like almost three meters in each direction, <laughs> right? Thing. I know it's huge. And uh, so, but when I went to shop for one, I realized that there were so many different sizes. And then I enlisted this fifth grade class that I've kind of adopted to help me figure out how big they really are and how, you know, which one I should buy and why. And uh, so that gave them a reason to think about why we might multiply to decimal quantities. Why would we? And so the thin slicing was the same context, but, you know, here are the different blankets that I could buy. One is three and one tenth by three and one tenth. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, you know, fairly simple one to represent mm -hmm. on a grid or to um, use other strategies to solve. Um, but I guess that's what I've been excited about is um, thin slicing, but having a context mm -hmm. that anchors the thinking about the numbers. Well, thin slicing is so engaging anyways. And then to add that contextual piece of it just amplifies that. Right. And first graders love to help. If you're like, help me, they're like, I'm there. <laughs> Help me figure this out. Another one of my things that worked was outside of my own thinking classroom, but it still is about the thinking classroom, is our monthly online chats that oh, yeah. we invite Facebook friends to. And it's once a month for people who don't know, once a month on a Sunday afternoon, nightish, five o'clock Eastern time. And I love how just organic the conversation is. I know we could micromanage it. We could say, hey, this month we're going to talk about this and next month we're going to talk about that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I love how we just invite people to bring what's on their minds and hearts and their questions and their thoughts. And we just go with it and it's whatever it needs to be and I feel like we've had a good turnout you know mm -hmm. for for 10,000 people for like 20 to 25 people to show up or however many it is it feels very satisfying and I'm glad we're doing it I always leave feeling inspired like something I'm like oh I'm gonna try that this week like it's amazing like there's always something new to learn or try. I love mm -hmm. the camaraderie. We're yeah. in it together. It's been very helpful, right? Hearing all these, uh, everyone who's in the thick of it, sharing what's been working for them, talking about the, the challenges that come up. And oftentimes it's probably people like, like us who are kind of doing it on our own. So to have this, those uh colleagues that they can bounce ideas off of is important right. diane a few things here but 
I think, and we, we, I talked about it briefly before, but I think having a shopping list, I love, this is my new way of thinking about it that I think makes a lot of sense to people. I've started talking about it as if you're going grocery shopping and you ever go grocery shopping at the end of a long day at school and come home with groceries and still don't have a meal yeah. to make with the things you bought <laughs> I bought. story of my life <laughs> but if I go in with a plan like I know the things I'm looking for then I'm definitely going to come home with things that I can make a meal out of I might change my mind right but it definitely focuses my shopping and I could use focus. But when I'm planning or planning alongside teachers for us to have that shopping list, what are the one, two, three things that we're hoping to see on the boards or we're expecting to see on the boards that we would love to talk about in consolidation and being able to mark those with a, our red marker. Yep, there's a one, there's a two, there's a three, or maybe we're not seeing some of the things we expected and we want to seed some things or um, we're just going to change our plan a bit. Yeah. But it's made me a much better kid watcher mm -hmm. to have a plan. And then the conversation we've already thought ahead of time about what are some connections between item number one and item number two, what are some connections to number three and I feel like our um, consolidations are much more explicit about the math that really needed to be surfaced. And I'm excited about that because it's simple, mm -hmm. but it's really making a big difference. I love that illustration because <laughs> I identify with that <laughs> in the grocery store and the classroom. So. <laughs> That's such important work. And I just so love that you're walking them through that. I I feel like that's what the five practices did for me, helped me become such a better planner and it just tightens everything up. And then, yeah. then it just uh, leads, like you said, to a much better consolidation. So yay, yay for doing that work. That's important. I'm loving it. Nicole? So when I first started um, trying this in my classroom, my goal every day was to get on Facebook and see what in the world could I do tomorrow? Like <laughs> I was desperate, like, oh, that looks good. I'm doing it. So I literally would like every night figure out what I might do tomorrow. And um I tried to like build up a little stash of things in case I didn't find one, but it, it was pretty sporadic. I, it's taken me a while. I've gotten better, still not great, but I think, mm -hmm. I think what Diane said about um, making those connections works especially well in task too. So like try to make a string of task and not just like a unique one every day, mm -hmm. like if it can connect with, you know, what you're working on in class, it's great. doesn't always have to do that because I have veered off, you know, in, for other reasons in my tasks, but kind of like a string of tasks really helps build that with their learning. So they, 
they can like kind of take it further the next time in a new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense, Nicole. Just the idea that the next day might just really be an extension of what we did the previous day, right? Or it might be something that's in similar territory, but because we saw what other people did yesterday, we can maybe be inspired by that in our work today and take some steps forward in how we're approaching problems. I know, I think we've talked about this previously, but um, one of the things that I found helpful is even, it's like sometimes you run out of time for the consolidation the day of, you just run out. Maybe that never happens to you, but it definitely happens to me sometimes. Um, And especially with our primary grade kids, I feel like they kind of forget what we had talked about the previous day. So sometimes I even do the, a consolidation before we start a task. Um, So I was looking at the work that you did yesterday and here's, here are some things. Let's take a look at this work. Let's take a look at this one. Um, And just really mentioning the things we're trying to accomplish, you know, in terms of representing our thinking or, um, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be the math itself, although sometimes it is, but that reminder right before we start a task has been helpful for a lot of kids. And I, I would say that I'm heading back to the five practices again because reading that book, I think helped me do what you're talking about, Nicole, is being more intentional about knowing what my my big main idea, my my goal is. And then knowing my goal helps me then create a more um a, a concrete progression through the tasks that leads them to where I want them to get to in the end. So yeah. I wasn't able to do that or didn't do that my first year, my first six months of BTC. But once I got that, all of the systems under my belt, if that's the phrase, I felt like the five practices really helped me get to that place. So it's good. Absolutely. Another one of mine is that this would happen on accident, but I I feel like it was one of those things where was really smart of me and I didn't (laughs) expect it to be but uh, one day for some reason I can't remember I was sending them around to look at everyone's boards and that's not something I typically do I don't just do the unorganized gallery walk but for some reason I did and I wanted them to know not to touch anybody's board and accidentally erase it and I started talking about how this is like going to a museum And when you go to a museum, you don't touch the art. And this is math art. (laughs) And now I talk about that all the time. This is math art. And I just, I don't know why I love it so much, but it just seems like it takes their work and it puts it on this beautiful pedestal. And it's just a thing of beauty. And it just touches my heart. I don't, maybe one of you can explain why I love this so much. Cause I don't think, <laughs> I, have the, I, don't think I have the best words for it, but just, yeah, I'll stop talking. <laughs> it's a picture for them. Like it's not just stuff we did, but like it's special stuff. That is our thinking that we show, you know? Yeah. And I think the work needs to be honored. Right. 
if we want them to take it seriously, then we, um, we enjoin the other kids to take it seriously too. Although I have taken a page from Kathy Fosno's work sometimes and let them go around either with post-its, often it's with post-its, but you've got a question mark and you've got an exclamation point and maybe you've got a check mark and you and your partner can go and put those on other boards to show where you have a question or a check mark might mean we had similar thinking. An exclamation point might mean, wow, something we hadn't thought of. And that's been another way to, that's been a way to get the kids involved yeah. in deciding what's important for the consolidation, right? Because mm -hmm. I'll look around and see where those post-its are and where there are a lot of questions mm -hmm. that tells me maybe there's a, an early conception to look at there, or maybe there's math that uh, is, uh, you know, maybe a little beyond what most of the class has been thinking. Mm. I haven't tried that yet. That's a, that's an interesting practice. I might have to do that. I like that. Yeah, Kathy Fosno does those with her poster work, and we took it and adapted it. Diane, do you have any others? Well, I think one of the trickiest things for me, and this is reaching back before 2023, but I think one of the trickiest things for me to figure out was manipulatives mm -hmm. and the press, yeah. because it's so important for kids to have those hands-on materials. And I discovered that connecting cubes, which I think are just the gold standard for K2 manipulatives, right? And like that's the one that's most often suited to what we need. Um, so being able to have those on the chalk rail or on the floor next to the board was super helpful, but it took some teaching to um, encourage kids to make that choice if it, it to know that choice was available right and to make it if they if they would benefit from it um and i think another thing i saw was how that work partner work at the boards with manipulatives translated to other situations where we might not be at the boards but work working side by side with um, concrete materials and they were just so much better at thinking together and working together with the materials. Yeah, I'm still working on, on figuring out the just the logistics of that. So right. I Because my kids have access to the manipulatives, but that doesn't mean they will access them. <laughs> but, you know, finding a way to have a permanent collection that's at each place is on my list of things to do. Yeah, I never got there either. I never got there. It was just they were there was a place in the room where they could they could gather them up. But I love the idea of having multiple tools available at the boards. Yeah. I need a different classroom for that. <laughs> <laughs> These huge boards. Anybody right. <laughs> Nicole, do you have any others? Well, this is an oldie, but it's definitely a goodie. So um, and I don't remember who said that first, but look for a task in the wild. Like, personally, I think Diane, I know you talked about, Tammy has too. So, like, if I'm going to Costco or big box stores seem to work, like, 
uh, nicely. Big things in bulk. And just as I'm shopping, thinking about math, wherever I go, really, to, we were cooking today with my children. And I snapped a picture of the tray of cookies because it had a nice arrangement or um, the boxes with the numbers so you can add in tens or fives or just thinking about I know you don't want to think about it all the time but it just happens sometimes I'm like oh, my kids could they could try this like we could do a task with this so keep that in the back of your mind on your back burner that's a good I give credit to Diane for that she got me well on I'm certainly not the first person to do it but I love finding tasks in the wild. And I think what's been exciting for me supporting teachers at so many grade levels is that one image, like let's take Tammy's image of the um, extra gum or whatever it was, right? You had taken a picture of several boxes or, or several packages of gum within a box, right? And then the price was there also. Yeah. I could kids could come up with so many questions for that one image and it could be suitable for kids at so many grade levels, depending on the question you asked and, and tried to answer. Mm -hmm. So I love a great visual task. Yeah. I was at the store this weekend and I took three, three different pictures. Like oh, <laughs> got that one and that one and that. One. Yeah. And then I've also thin sliced a picture because I've chopped it up and cropped it, like find was out that the was that the peeps? Yes, was the peeps. It you did, I remember that one, okay. and I really, really want to find an opportunity to yeah, use okay. your slicing sequence because that was brilliant. I loved that. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my things that had worked in 2023, and I might have started this one a little bit in 2022, was the check your understanding with mild, medium, and spicy. That's when I, that's when I've started back then. And my kids love it. Every single time the engagement is really high and they know they want to start in a place, but once they finish, they're going to go to the next one. They don't stop. And so many kids want to do the spicy, you know, it's just so engaging and, and, uh, and it gives me just an opportunity to kind of walk around the room and see where we're at, but also for them to know um, where they're at as well. So I've, I've really enjoyed that practice. I love that. And I love kids knowing themselves and having aspirations for their learning. Right. Yeah. 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 And I don't do it every day. I, I typically use it at the end of a thin slice because my brain thinks it fits best there for me. But when I when I do do it, I've got lots of success. So. I love that. All right. Do either of you have anything else? I don't think so. I think I have one more and then we'll wrap up. So my other my last one is, again, not one in my own thinking classroom, but it has to do with the thinking classroom. And that was going to the Building Thinking Classrooms conference. In, in oh, for sure. Yes. That's, um, that definitely worked. <laughs> and meeting Peter and turning into a 12-year-old and then meeting both of you and numerous other people. That was such a lovely experience. And the Keep Indiana Learning people were amazing. And yeah, mm. so good. So great. So next 
this this year here in Phoenix, July 1st and 2nd. So it's going to be hot. This <laughs> morning is now, everyone. <laughs> but I'm told it will be at a resort so that there are there's lots of water and air condition. Everything's air conditioned here. So you don't need to worry about being hot unless you're walking from your air conditioned uh, place, you know, hotel to your air conditioned vehicle. And probably a lot of you are going to be Ubering it. So the car will already be cool. Easy peasy. We can yeah. do hard things. <laughs> yes. I'm looking forward to knowing more about that so I can start you know, buying light tickets and all the other things. So I'm excited. It'll be great. All right. Well, it's been just a joy to hear what's been working for both of you. And I'm guessing that everyone who listens will uh, be able to add things to their list of things that they want to do because they've heard from you what's been working in your spaces. So thank you so much. For uh, talking with me today about what's been working. Thanks, lady. Tammy. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Nicole. It's always fun to chat with you. It is fun. Getting me all inspired again. (laughs) All right. Thanks, friends. Well, that was a lot of things that worked. My hope is that there's something that we said that you'd like to take into your own space and see if it works in yours as well. And additionally, maybe you'll be inspired to make your own list of things that worked in 2023. In the meantime, in the famous words of Peter Lilliadal, no one ever died doing thinking classrooms. Just try it. <laughs>